from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hooey! What a week we are having. It's exciting. We're getting ready for to go on a trip. Yeah. This is very much needed and we're excited we? and we're a little nervous about leaving our old man dog at home, but he's yeah. going to be in good hands. I swear if we uh if we hadn't paid for most of this trip already, mm-hmm. we might bump it a little bit just to make sure he but he's good. He's good. He's, no, he's had fine. He's an old man, his back legs, he's got his arthritis and stuff like that. But I'm going to go ahead, I'll tell you right now, our vet talked us into acupuncture, Mm -hmm. which if you, a year ago, if you'd said acupuncture for dogs, I would have laughed in your face, (laughs) but I cannot believe the difference we've been seeing in him. Yeah. I mean, he's also getting injections for his arthritis. His arthritis is helping his knees, but his, he's got that, um, neurodegenerative thing where he, he's not getting a signal to his feet right. as well so he would like walk on his knuckle and stuff like that and that has like knock on wood you know largely gone away yeah he's really not doing it it's I'm, amazing. I'm impressed I was very skeptical about yeah. the acupuncture but I was like 
it's undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, you, undeniable. Can't, you can't say it's not helping. I hope it lasts. Yeah. Um, especially through our trip. We're going out west. We're going to see sunny Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Yes. Eli's been practicing his dice rolling. Absolutely. So I was like, how do you practice dice rolling? It's not, you know, you don't practice the dice. You know, some people <laughs> think you can control the dice roll, but that's absurd. <laughs> but you practice how you lay your bets down. Right. Yeah. Which makes more sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're going <laughs> to shake them in your hand differently? <laughs> you know, you don't don't gamble to win money. You can't gamble to win money. You're not gonna. <laughs> it's dumb. Don't do that. Gamble because you like playing the game. Mm-hmm. And you're willing to pay for it. That's my thing. And I'm like, I've, I can Ooh, you make. You lost me at willing to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we pay for entertainment all the time. If I can make a hundred bucks last two hours of playing a board game, you know, I feel like I had a good time doing it. Yeah, I feel and that. sure, maybe I'll win $50 million and pay for the whole trip. But you can thank me after that happens. Okay, I will. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> you won't see a dime of my money. Excuse me. But I will. You'll guess, at least want to flip it into my face. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I will see it. I might not touch to it or spend it, but you definitely <laughs> will shove it in my face. <laughs> no, it's all going to go to you. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. I mean, transitively, you know, like in some way it will be. <laughs> I'll buy something for myself that makes me very happy. Yes. <laughs> and then, you and then you'll enjoy that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I can't think of something that I would want to buy that you wouldn't I also enjoy. You know, I don't have those like, mm. I'm not going to buy sports tickets or, a, you know, a car you can't drive or something like that. I don't know. I guess we don't have unique personalities and needs. Wow. <laughs> We're just one person yeah. and two globs. Gross. Gross. Globs? Wait, why are we globs? I don't know. Well, eh, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this thing about amoebas that separate, you know, but they're like oh, yeah. one thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we're amoebas. <laughs> like reverse amoebas. We used or to be it, two people. Is it amoebas or is it just amoeba? Amoebae. Amoebae. You're my amoebae. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> my single-celled amoebae. <laughs> well, that one's for you, microbiologists. You can use that one with your spouse later. <laughs> we have to make Valentine. We got to make branded Valentine's <laughs> Random, someday. Yeah. <laughs> You're my amoebae. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. We're so happy to have you. A very exciting episode today in one part. A single part. <laughs> a single episode. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lot to say. This is a really cool one. It's so true. This is like another history of like a badass woman yes. who changed the fate of a nation. Right. And her ridiculous romance is kind of the result of her daring and dashing and dangerous life that she was leading. Love it. Um, before she ever got married. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Remedios Gomez was a normal young girl in the Philippines in 1942. She liked dancing and dresses and makeup and beauty pageants and perfume. Just girly stuff. Okay. But everything changed after the Japanese invaded and her father was brutally tortured and killed. Damn. She swore vengeance. Hell yeah, she did. And that she would look fabulous while doing it. Okay. She became an accomplished military commander named Lee Huawei, who always made sure to apply a fresh coat of red lipstick before every battle. (laughs) Amazing. And when she would finally be caught and imprisoned, it was her status as a wife and mother that would get her out of it. Okay. let's hear about Commander Lee Huawei, famed Filipino beauty queen and heroine. Yes, let's go. 
Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Remedios was born in 1919 in the city of Mexico in the Pampanga province of the Philippines. Did not know there was a Mexico city in the Philippines. Like just a city named Mexico. Name, named Mexico. Not even a Mexico city. Mm-hmm. Cool. Her father, Basilio Gomez, served as the mayor of their small town, Anao, in the 1930s. And Remedios worked as a dressmaker specializing in embroidery. Nice. She was a graceful, beautiful young woman. She loved fashion and makeup and perfume and nail polish. Mm-hmm. She was just out here glamming it up at all at all occasions. She had like a Chris Pine poster on her wall. <laughs> Love ponies. She's like, my dream is to go to New York Fashion Week. <laughs> She's got all the Disney Barbies lined up on her shelf. <laughs> I bought one of the first expensive gifts I ever bought a girlfriend was in high school. I got her one of those fancy Disney Barbies. Oh. Uh, oh, my God. I should remember what it was. Was it Cinderella? I think it was a classic. I think it might have been Cinderella, like in mm-hmm. her fancy gown. Sure. It was either that or Belle. I don't remember. Belle's a good one. Just remember it was like 120 bucks. And I was like, is this what you do? You buy? I'm a, I'm a high school boyfriend. That means I spend money. I spend my paycheck on a girlfriend, right? 50s, That's what right? I'm supposed to do. I, she liked it. She liked it a lot. That was a little subdued. No, she no, really she liked, liked it. it. She really liked it. She really liked it. I remember I earned $100 from, I helped my parents renovate a house for a summer and I earned $100. I don't even want to think about <laughs> the what? amount of money that yeah, is what, per hour. What, what kind of commission is that? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but I was so excited to go and spend it on a commit. I have Barbie collection that's still at their oh, house. Wow. And so I was like, I want a fancy Barbie. And I got uh, a Gone with the Wind Barbie doll, a Scarlett O'Hara Barbie doll. Oh, wow. I still have it. And they're like so sure. They were like, girl, this is going to be worth some shit one day. Never open the box. It's got to be pristine condition. Uh So never did. And I looked it up recently how much it was worth. And do you want to guess how much it's worth? 42. No, I'm not going to go too high. $38,000. 128 bucks. (laughs) What a profit. The the many hours of lost good times I could have had with this doll for $28 (laughs) of appreciation. (laughs) Look, if any of y'all out there are Barbie collectors and you're missing something, we'll sell you Diana's whole childhood collection, (laughs) no questions asked, for $25,000. I mean, maybe some questions asked. (laughs) What do you do? No, they're not allowed to ask us questions like how many Barbies, which ones are in there. Right, what condition I'm just saying, you sent us $25,000 five grand and we'll just mail you a box of Barbies. <laughs> you'll love them. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You loved them. Sit- I love this idea of like this, what, 15, 16 year old girl mm-hmm. sitting in her bedroom, like looking up at a shelf full of Barbies in their box and oh, going, yeah. ah, what a childhood. Like, <laughs> I'm just playing with my toys yeah, by honestly, looking at them. Even younger. I think I was like 10 uh-huh. when I bought that doll and I would just look at her. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't just take her out of the damn box. But anyway, back to Commander Lee Waiwei. I don't right. know how we got to Barbies. <laughs> Look, Commander Lee Waiwei did not have a shelf full of Barbie dolls. She was not, but she was kind of a Barbie girl, I guess. Yes. Maybe that's where we got to. Right. So anyway, she's just really into looking her best, feeling her best, 
And Project Say Say, a nonprofit which is dedicated to sharing and preserving Filipino history, says that newspapers of the time called Remedios, quote, many times a queen in town festivities. Oh, cool. And she also won some local beauty pageants. Damn, she was like the homecoming queen for town, for the whole town. They were just like, who's the prettiest? She's like Belle. She's the most beautiful girl in town. Uh Uh-huh. But things got real tense in Anao in 1941. Right after bombing Pearl Harbor, the Japanese invaded the Philippines. Mm. And the country's military was no match for them, so the Japanese were here to occupy. Right. But the peasants of the Philippines had different ideas. They decided to resist the occupation, and fortunately they had the organization they needed to do it. When are people going to learn? You don't fuck with the peasants. All right, come on. They ain't got nothing to lose. I mean, they're strong, right? Uh-huh. They're working the, the, the land. It just, it, well. There's way more of them than there are of you. <laughs> I'm not going to say it never works because clearly it works uh, a it lot works of the time. <laughs> but when it doesn't, y'all really get your asses kicked by some peasants. Very true. Well, let's learn a little bit more about this. And that means we're going to set Commander Lee away aside and go take a quick fling with history. Leave me alone. For over 200 years, the Philippines were ruled by Spain, and they had this pretty feudal economic setup called encomienda. And this is where landowners owned all the land and houses, and the peasant farmers worked that land, and they paid rent to stay in these homes. Pretty standard stuff. Mm -hmm. Sounds like basically what everyone was doing. England, America, right here today. It's basically what I'm doing. Tilling the land for (laughs) our landlords. (laughs) Tilling the land by being up on this podcast. (laughs) Uh Uh It's the same. Um, (laughs) But at least in this situation, the landlords lived there in the estates near them. They would frequently attend the tenants' weddings, or they would even provide food for festivities and celebrations, and they could help them out with legal issues as well. Stuff like that. So they were very involved in the right. in the peasants' lives. It's very paternalistic, right? I guess. Right. You know, take care of the people you're uh-huh. that are taking that care, are taking of, care you. of you. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, that, I think that's the ideal setup. Obviously, it doesn't always work like sure, that. But... Sure. Sure. That's the ideal setup. The goal they were looking for here was like Downton Abbey. Right, exactly. Like, I'm Lord Grantham. I'm very caring of my tenants. Benevolent dictator. Yes. <laughs> um, but when the Americans won uh, first the Spanish-American War in 1898 and then the Philippine-American War of 1902, everything out there changed. The islands were opened up to international trade for the first time with a port opening in Manila. Now landlords stopped caring about growing food like rice and cereals, and instead they wanted to grow cash crops for export like tobacco and sugarcane. Tale as old as time. So now there was less food to go around right there at home. Mm -hmm. Landlords started handing over their estates to caretakers, and they lived in Manila or even overseas sometimes, just totally removing themselves from their tenants altogether. As a result of this, the peasants were exploited, neglected, and often abused. So. The peasants decided they were going to do what peasants do, and they were going to take matters into their own hands. They started organizing unions amongst themselves, and there were several, but two of the largest had 60,000 and 70,000 members, respectively, when they decided to merge in 1939. Way more than the number of landlords there Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's not like they were asking for the moon here. I mean, mostly they just wanted to get back to their old system, their traditional tenancy that they used to have. Which is crazy, because it's like, that's 
That shit already sucked. Yeah. But I liked it better uh-huh. than this. Yeah. Can we go back to the shitty thing that we had before? At least we were growing our own food and not just growing shit for you to sell off to other countries. Yeah, I think they grew the... the and so they got to keep some of it yeah, to eat. Yeah, sure. And now there's nothing to eat. Right. So these unions organized strikes and petitions and court cases against the landlords. And they even had members run for local office. And one of these organizers was Basilio Gomez. He was Remedios' father. He owned a little bit of land himself, but he was down with the cause, and he got elected mayor of Anao in the 1930s, and was serving as vice mayor in 1942 when the Japanese invaded. So thanks to all of that organizing in the 30s, the Filipino peasants were already set up to organize a resistance against the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this again. I know, right? <laughs> well, fortunately, I already have everybody's name and address. Like, uh-huh. let's go ahead and get this going. <laughs> Call a meeting. And on March 29, 1942, 300 peasant leaders, including Basilio, decided to form the Hook Balahap Rebellion and turn their labor union into a guerrilla army. Mm-hmm. Their first task was to gather up all available arms and ammunition from all the peasants, as well as any retreating American forces. I might okay. drop some shit right. <laughs> on their way out. So Basilio got to work organizing people and weapons in and now. But only two months later, he was betrayed by a local collaborator Ugh. and captured by the occupying Japanese. Mm. Most of the town, including Remedios, witnessed Basilio being dragged by Japanese soldiers, battered and tortured through the streets before he was executed in front of everyone. They wanted to, like, make an example of him. Ugh. Project Seisei says this was the first World War II fatality in the city of Mexico in the province of Pampanga, and that the Japanese refused to give Basilio's body to his family. Excuse me? They were like, as a matter of fact, we should arrest all y'all too. Wow. Uh, So Remedios and the rest of her family had to skedaddle out of town, and they moved to Tarlac. And that's when Remedios swore vengeance on the Japanese, and especially on the soldier who had delivered the killing blow. Mm. So when a friend of her father's, Eusebio Bio Aquino, suggested that she join the Hook Balahop, she was in. Hell yeah. And we'll find out what happened next right after this. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials... Cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome back, everyone. So Remedios joined the Hook Balahop Rebellion, and her brother Oscar joined too. And this is mostly because their mother asked him to go keep an eye on her and keep her safe. Mm-hmm. But they were far from the only ones who joined. By September of 1942, there were 3,000 armed hooks. And Remedios was not the only woman either. In fact, one of the most unique things about the Hook Rebellion was that so many women joined when it formed that they were integral to its success and participated in pretty much every level of the organization, which was very different from most guerrilla armies. In this book, Amazons of the Hook Rebellion, Gender, Sex, and Revolution in the Philippines by Vina Lanzona, she writes, quote, Outraged by stories, and in many cases direct experience, of Japanese brutality and sometimes fearful for their personal safety, many young women responded to the call for mobilization. Most were between the ages of 15 and 35, single, and lived in peasant households. Yeah, they heard a lot of rumors about 
women being raped and yeah. killed and stuff. And they were like, well, sure, I better come out here and do something. About exactly. It. Exactly. Now, many of these women stayed in their villages and served the rebellion by gathering supplies or money or information for the fighters. Since they were women, they didn't really attract much attention from the Japanese, making them the perfect spies. You know, they're they're around asking, oh, so when are you guys invading tonight? And the Japanese soldiers <laughs> are like, oh, I can tell a woman. What's she going to do? <laughs> All right, 7 p.m. at this fort. That's where we're going. Yeah, what are you going to be doing? Cooking dinner? <laughs> right? I hope so. Or they're probably like seeing ladies talking to people and they're like, oh, bitches be gossiping. Yeah, just not thinking <laughs> twice like, yeah, about it. About you and uh-huh. your secret plans. Uh-huh. But some women, like Remedios, chose to take a more direct path of action. At first, Remedios was given nursing duties rather than fighting duties, mm-hmm. like many of the women who joined the guerrilla army. Sure. But as PositivelyFilipino.com writes, quote, All new recruits underwent training in guerrilla warfare, how to fight, handle weapons, stage an ambush, how to retreat, and so on. Smart. It is smart, I feel like, right? Even if you're like, you're probably not going to fight, but at least you know how just in case. It's like that Google thing where it's like, we train, you know, we get everyone from different departments to circulate and Mm -hmm. work in different areas. Mm -hmm. So I know that you're going to be out here cooking for the army. Right. But... Uh, I don't want you not to be able to fight should the situation arise. Yeah. What if they show up, you know, during the dinner hour? (laughs) The only person with a knife in her hand is the cook. (laughs) I want her to know how to use that shit. They're like, I'll go hold the cook hostage. (laughs) And they do. And the cook is like, oh, no, don't hurt me. Gotcha. (laughs) Damn. Damn. Cook cooked me. (laughs) I just got smoked by the cook. (laughs) She fried my ass up and served me on a platter. (laughs) I got butchered. Oh, no. Uh, they also got cool new code names, of course. Awesome. And Remedios's was Liwaiwei, meaning dawn. Probably because oh. they were like, it's really going to dawn on the Japanese that they have fucked up. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I am a fucking sunrise. Right. Watch your ass. <laughs> it's a brand new day, bitch. <laughs> PositivelyFilipino.com goes on, quote, as the resistance forces grew and additional units were formed, Li Weiwei, who impressed her commander and comrades with her dedication, discipline, and seriousness of purpose, i.e. to avenge her father's death, was given a squadron to lead. So she became Commander Li Weiwei, the name by which she's best known, and she had a bunch of guys to order around, which she promptly did. <laughs> her squad was supposed to be going around getting civilians to support the guerrillas. Okay. Right. Whatever. The Philippines Veterans Office website says that Lee Weiwei basically was like, boring. <laughs> and she started organizing missions to raid Japanese camps and ambush their supply trucks. Oh, nice. She's like, I know what the assignment is, but I understand the real assignment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Let me go ask people to sign up. Hang on. Let me just mm-hmm. take down this whole fort real quick. Okay. Yeah. On my way there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and just to add to her boss bitchness, Li Weiwei didn't just prep for missions and battles by training with weapons or working on tactics with her men. No, right before every skirmish, she would comb out her hair, paint her nails, spritz of perfume, and put on bright red lipstick. Damn. So every time the enemy faced them, they were looking at a fashion queen (laughs) with her nails did, hair did, everything did, vanquishing the shit out of them with a 45. Look, (laughs) if I'm... If I'm a Japanese soldier and somebody's going to kill me, might as well be a beautiful lady. She's doing them a favor. 
I'm going to make sure the last thing you see is gorgeous. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> She's saying this is just a, an additional service I provide right, right. on the battlefield. <laughs> now, of course, at the time, in the place, in the moment, you might think that her soldiers found this kind of silly and contemptible, right? And some of them surely did. But Positively Filipino says that it actually helped morale because she just... She looks so damn calm and fearless sitting there painting her nails mm-hmm. right before a crazy battle. I got time. Mm-hmm. It's probably <laughs> like dudes like cowering in the corner, like as well I would be being like, oh, my God, we're all about to die. We're all about to die. And she's just there painting her nails. I'd be like, damn, if she ain't worried, I guess I shouldn't be. Give me some of that perfume. OK. <laughs> Apparently she did actually would hand out little bottles of perfume. Yeah. That she made, and oftentimes they said, no, thanks. <laughs> But she's like, y'all stank, okay? Your ass stinks. <laughs> Put this she's on. She's like, they're going to smell us coming. They're going to smell, you know, a lavender rose water over the ridge yeah. and be like, oh, no. Ooh. It's going to put fear into their hearts. They have potpourri PTSD for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I can never handle vanilla orange blossom again or I'll lose my mind. <laughs> Any veteran walks into Bath and Body Works and they're right. like, oh, oh, no. I'm back on the battlefield. <laughs> God. I would love to see like a G.I. Jane where instead of shaving her head right. and trying to look real masculine, uh-huh. she's just like, actually, I'm going to lean in. She's just like a perfect French braid. I'm going to full lean in. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I got my hair looks good. Uh-huh. I'm putting on my full makeup and I'll still get over this wall. Right. <laughs> now, Positively Filipino says that she also sometimes suggested that she wanted to look nice in case she died or was captured. Right. Oh, it's, if I can pull into speculation station. Of course you can. I think that maybe she believed in ghosts and she was like real worried about her ghosts looking bad in the afterlife. (laughs) She's like, just in case I die in battle, I want to like be looking good. Oh, my God. So if I live for eternity, I still like my outfit. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember um, the Frighteners? Yeah. Peter Jackson. A little, yeah. um, Chi McBride's character like died in the 70s and he was in this whole disco outfit. (laughs) And he was always so mad about it. He's like, I still look like Link from the Mod Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Or like we just started Ghosts, the British version. Right. And uh, there's one guy who has no pants because he died in a sex scandal or something. So he's just walking around with a full like suit coat, but no pants on. (laughs) The rest of eternity. You got to think about these things. So true. So Lee Huawei was like, no, I will look. I will be the best looking ghost in this entire place. So... She thought maybe she wanted to look nice in case she got captured or killed. Mm-hmm. But when she was asked about why she looked so nice by the hook head honcho, Luis Taruk, she simply replied, quote, why shouldn't I? One of the things I am fighting for in this movement is the right to be myself. Love that. That's it. Love that. She's like, I'm not going to masculine myself up just yeah. for this fight. I am who right. I am. Yeah. And if anybody had a problem with that, she was ready to deal with that. That's right. <laughs> Once she showed up sweaty and breathless from an encounter with the enemy, and her comrade, Commander Capitan, sneered at her, quote, you're pretty. If the Japanese catch up with you, just lie down. Ooh. Which is dark. I mean. Because they're saying, they're talking about rape. Yeah. Right. And we know that they were doing that. Yeah. The the Rather, the Japanese occupiers were doing that. That's uh-huh. why a lot of the women were joining, because either they had already been raped or mm-hmm. they knew somebody who had or they had heard enough stories to be worried about it. Yeah. That's a really fucked up thing to say. Yeah. Just lie down and take it. Yeah. So she was 
pissed. Uh-huh. She was furious. And she challenged him to a duel right there. That's right. And she had to be physically restrained by her squad because they're probably like, girl, he's not worth he's it. Not even worth- you would just step back. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Forget him. him. He's trash. You're so much better than him. Look <laughs> how good you look. <laughs> exactly. Don't waste your time on him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's go wipe that sweat off. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm going to bust his face. Wide open. I'm going to give him bright red lips. <laughs> I almost wish she, they had not restrained her. Just like, all right, you know what? Hey, <laughs> you deserve what you get. But I yep. guess they needed every commander. Look, <laughs> talk shit, get hit. Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> but Li Weiwei's biggest moment of glory came in the Battle of Kamansi when she led Squadron 3V in battle. The hooks were losing, and Bio Aquino ordered all of them to retreat. But Li Weiwei, looking fabulous, mm-hmm. probably fresh coat of red lipstick on, was like, what? I can't can't hear you. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And kept her men fighting, even though they were heavily outnumbered. Mm-hmm. By the time Hook reinforcements arrived to back them up, Liwei's squad had already won. Oh damn. Japanese already retreating. Oh shit. It was like the movie 300, but only 100 guys and a lipstick Leonidas. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, they they lost in 300. Oh, true. <laughs> All right, it's kind of like the movie 300. Like 300 with a but good ending. Won. Yeah, if they want. <laughs> if they want. <laughs> Maybe Leonidas just should have thrown some lipstick on. Okay, you if know? he just spritz a perfume, would have right. changed the whole game. <laughs> all those boys, these half-naked men all <laughs> th- wrestling each other, but they got gorgeous makeup oh, on. Amazing pals. Wow. That movie, <laughs> that movie was homoerotic enough. <laughs> I think they did have a little eyeshadow on, didn't they? Go, like they had probably, some yeah. Bold. They had well, a little I remember, bit of um, smoky eye. I remember they had they had dressed up. Uh, Rodrigo Santoro played Xerxes, oh, and he right. had a ton of makeup on. Mm-hmm. And some people said that was actually kind of racist because they made the Persians very effeminate oh. in that movie. Like a saying that like bad people are effeminate, which is a Disney problem that they've True. always had with their villains. I don't mm-hmm. think as much recently. And then, of course, he was like, well, you're stereotyping Persians and you're also mm-hmm. making effeminate people evil again. Why are we on 300? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Nobody cares <laughs> about that nowhere near anymore. Greece, <laughs> Persia, any of that. Uh, I just wanted to say lipstick Leonidas. <laughs> well, no, yeah, of course, of course. You can't just leave that one down. You have to say it. Now, after the Battle of Kamansi, she became a legend. Positively Filipino writes, quote, the name Commander Li Weiwei struck fear among the Japanese army. Hell yeah. Her squad swelled to 200 guys. Mm-hmm. She would ride into an occupied town on her horse with her 45 pistol or sometimes a 50 caliber machine gun. Oh, shit. And be like, occupiers, y'all need to be gone tomorrow or I will make you gone for good. Damn. And they probably skedaddle or at least right. go into hiding. She also got her revenge. She eventually found the guy who had wielded the sword and beheaded her father in front of everybody, including herself. And she told her squad, this one's mine. And she kind of took him off somewhere and came back without him. And the (laughs) soldiers asked what she'd done with him. And she just said, quote, what he did to my father, what he did to us. So I'm just picturing her like walking back across a field, wiping blood on a white towel, uh-huh. getting slowly more and more red. <laughs> and what? someone's like, what, what happened? What you do to that guy? <laughs> She's like, justice. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we're going to go get some justice from these sponsors. So oh, wow. we'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up... (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hook Bella Hop Rebellion. So over the next three years, the Hooks grew to a force of 15,000 armed fighters, and 10% of that were women. The peasants were holding their own, but they couldn't rout the Japanese army completely. Until the Americans showed up. Hooray! The American forces are here. Yes! Americans are great at showing up at the last oh, yeah. minute, kicking some ass, knocking some occupiers out of town. And Liwa Wei's squad not only fought many battles, but they also rescued several downed American pilots and nursed them back to health. Finally, the war was over in 1945, and the Philippines were free from Japanese occupiers. Victory was theirs. Thanks for stopping by, Americans, and helping out. Now y'all can go on home. I said, y'all can, uh, Americans, you can go home now. We're, we're good. We've, you're not leaving. Nope. No, the Americans stayed. <laughs> Filipinos basically traded one occupier for another. And the hooks were ordered by the Americans to disarm. Now, of course, many of them decided not to. So the U.S., and the landowning elite in the Philippines hunted them down and arrested them. Villagers' homes were looted and burned, looking for hooks in hiding. And in February of 1945, a squadron of 109 hooks were ambushed by American and Filipino soldiers, and every one of them were shot and buried in a mass grave, including Liwawe's brother, Oscar. Aw, Oscar. The U.S. also decided to arrest all the peasant leaders, including Luis Taruk. When they were released in September of that year, Luis tried to negotiate with the government. He said their resistance was over, and he provided a list of Hook members hoping that they would be recognized by the government for their efforts to suppress the Japanese occupation, and they would be given veterans' benefits. Mm -hmm. But the government chose to leave out 2,000 members, which the Hooks thought was just a shady way to cause strife amongst them. Like, well, some of you are better than others. Mm -hmm. You can just fight amongst yourselves about that. Right. Instead of fighting us, your true right. enemy. And on top of that, the landlords had promised the peasants a higher share in the profits of their farm labor. But when the harvest time came, guess what? Those promises were not kept. What? That sounds unusual mm -hmm. in history. <laughs> yeah. So the Hooks decided, if you can't beat the government, join them. And they ran a bunch of dudes for office. There you go. They formed the PKM, or National Peasants Union, allied themselves with the PKP, which was the Communist Party of the Philippines, and they ran several candidates, six of whom won, including Luis Tarak and the PKP leader's brother, Jesus Lava. I'm sorry. This guy's name is Jesus Lava. <laughs> great name which i of course written here i just see jesus lava and i'm very interested <laughs> in jesus lava <laughs> so oh. like is that lava you can walk on top of i probably yeah right that would make sense oh this is that jesus lava go for just, a stroll you can just <laughs> like, go right through it that'd be a pretty nasty prank to play on somebody Yikes. don't worry this is jesus lava you can walk right on if you're a true believer your <laughs> shoes will not melt <laughs> a lot of melted shoes that a lot day of melted shoes. i always think of volcano Whenever that guy struggles through lava to help somebody off the subway. Oh, does he like walk through lava? Yes, like an idiot. Oh, I mean, I boy. guess he was brave. <laughs> I guess he was being brave. <laughs> see, I was team Dante's Peak. Oh, okay. Myself. I didn't okay. see Volcano till later. All right. 
I don't know which one is better. It's, I, I don't think either one of them is better. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really remember Dante's Peak very well. Um, but I do remember Volcano because we liked that line about having to get in a doorway and kiss your ass goodbye <laughs> in oh. our house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesus Lava. Jesus, Jesus Lava, Lava won. <laughs> and Louis Turok won. But they were never allowed to take their seats. Oh. They faced charges of terrorism and election fraud. Mainly, the Americans didn't like that they were communists sure. or at all allied with communists. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Cold War started like right after World War II. Right. Everyone was very nervous about the Bolsheviks and stuff like that. So they were like, not these communists. And they were effectively like unelected by an active Filipino Congress. Wow. And the campaign of intimidation against the peasants continued. Uh, one of their leaders was surrounded by military guys and murdered. And Damn. the peasants just had had enough by yeah. that point. And Louis Tarak was like, I'll fucked up now and restarted the hook resistance. Okay. This time against their own government in 1946. And this new force was called the People's Liberation Army or HMB. And after Oscar was killed, we know how Lee Huawei feels about her family oh, yeah. members being murdered. Yeah. She was, of course... Like, let me in. <laughs> I'm back on the train. Put me in, coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she started training new recruits. Okay. Now, only a year later, she was arrested for the first time. She got captured because she got malaria. Oh. She, like, sat down to rest. And they're like, oh, now we can get her because otherwise she's too scary. Wow. <laughs> we can get her while she's sick. But she caused a media sensation. She's this well-dressed, made-up, lovely lady. Uh-huh. She's like prime-time newspaper uh-huh. fodder. And she was also very well-spoken. When President Manuel Rojas accused her of terrorizing peasants and trying to overthrow the government, she coolly responded, quote, No, Mr. President, you are wrong. We are only fighting for a decent livelihood and democratic treatment in our plight. We, the Hooks, champion the rights of the peasants. All right. Uh, For that sassy answer, she was thrown into solitary confinement. She was released after a year for lack of evidence, Hmm. and immediately she rejoined the HMB, only to find that they had an interesting plan for her. Tensions had started to develop between Luis Tarok's hooks and the lava leadership in the PKP, the Communist Party. So they needed something to unify the two factions. And like many, many, many politicians (laughs) before them that we've heard about on this show, that y'all have heard about all through history, they thought, well... Sounds like somebody from each party's got to get married. There we go. Let's unify these factions uh-huh. with a lovely party. And so Liwei was this, you know, beautiful, daring, famous hook commander under Louis Taruk, and she was still single. So she was clearly the right choice to be the bride. Mm-hmm. Now, as for the groom, their eyes were on the second cousin of the PKP leader, Jose Lava, Banag Paraiso, also known as Bani. The two had met once or twice before, and he was handsome, young, and related to the communist leadership. And according to Positively Filipino, he was one of the best warriors the Lavas had. Well, that's the, good. I, I want to meet the best warrior of the Lava. <laughs> I know, Like, right? it just sounds so cool. Super cool. Sorry, I've just decided that, like, if I could change my last name to anything, it's Lava. <laughs> Well, I love, too, they were like, well, we got to give her a groom she can respect. Right, I mean, if yeah. the guy she can beat up, like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> so, Li Weiwei and Bonnie had a political marriage, not a romantic one. But Li Weiwei later said that even though she hadn't chosen him, she, quote, found the perfect husband and comrade in Bonnie. 
Aww. They only had one son, who they named for Li Weiwei's fallen brother, Oscar. And at this point, Li Weiwei stepped away from active fighting to be a wife and mother. But she still wanted to contribute. So she helped set up and manage a political and military school for new recruits. It was kind of her thing. She was good at getting new people and showing them how to be badasses. She's like, first we start with the undercoat. (laughs) (laughs) You want to wait for that to dry and nice and tacky before you put on the top polish and an overcoat. That's right. Cannot be overstated how important (laughs) that is. (laughs) She's like, to begin, you each have a 45 pistol Uh and a small bottle of perfume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We will start with the perfume because y'all all all smell like shit. And here's how to keep your hair looking nice Nice. and fancy while you rip a man's throat out. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1948, this power couple moved to another province together because they were in charge of the expansion force. So they were, you know, recruiting, training, getting more folks involved. But after a raid, Bonnie Paraiso was killed. And Lee Waiwei arrested once again. That's sad that they kind of... I guess had a year right. to, to be together and have a baby and fall in love right. to an extent. Yeah. But that's it. It was such a short time. And Lee Waiwei never remarried. Yeah. So I think she did feel more strongly about Bonnie than yeah. maybe it seems. Yeah. And according to Project Seisei, Lee Waiwei was released after she told the court on her lawyer's advice that she had rejoined the Hook Army just to support her husband. Oh. <laughs> she told the judge, quote, Being a wife is not a crime. I should not be charged for the accusations against my husband. Damn. I mean, like, we're talking about. Oh, don't look at me. I'm just a girl. (laughs) Just look at my beautifully made up face. Does this look like somebody who goes and fights a war? I mean, again, this is the feared warrior commander Lee Waiwei who struck fear into the hearts of the entire Japanese army. And she's like, who me? Little old me? (laughs) I love it. <laughs> How could I ever hurt someone with all with these fancy nails? I know. What? <laughs> I would never break my nails <laughs> on a 50 caliber machine gun. <laughs> but as rejected princesses writes, quote, by recasting herself as a dutiful wife and mother, she actually managed to secure her freedom. Yeah, she did. They let they acquitted her of murder charges and let her go on back oh home. Oh, my God. And I think it's so funny that the sexism of. The Japanese and the Filipinos are mm-hmm. what enabled the guerrilla army to have so many women helping them out. Yep. And then the sexism of the United States and the Filipino elite and constabulary and everything allowed her to just wriggle the fuck out of there, <laughs> out of their jail. Away. I think that's so funny. They were Damn. like, let me use this to my advantage, I guess. Well, it's true. I mean, her husband clearly put her up to this. Ladies but, follow their husbands. Yes, orders. what do we expect her to have? A, a, a mind of her own? <laughs> 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 the whole courtroom just... <laughs> Good one, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> I needed a laugh today. <laughs> now, that very same year, the Filipino Communist Party, PKP, was banned by the government. And the Hooks tried negotiating with the government, but negotiations stalled. So the rebellion continued until 1951. After her second imprisonment, Li Wei took a step back from the armed rebellion and settled into civilian life. But... She did spend the rest of her life advocating for the rights of soldiers. According to Ezra Del Rosario on the Odyssey Online, she personally helped veterans fill out benefits paperwork and lobby for a pension for over 20 years. Nice. Liwa Wei passed away at the ripe old age of 95. Mm. 
and she was made up and perfumed right up until the very end. Her obituary in the Inquirer.net quotes Liu Wei reminiscing about her time in arms, saying, quote, Filipino women played an important role during the war. Like their male counterparts, they held responsible positions in fighting the enemies. They dedicated their lives to a noble cause, not only to drive away the Japanese invaders, but to pursue the struggle for genuine freedom, true justice, and democracy. I hope that someday the role of these unsung heroines will find a place in history. Mm. Well, they're at least going to find a place on this podcast. That's right, Commander Lee Huawei. Hell yeah. We're trying to uphold the story. But I just love her. I think it's so, what a cool, I would love to watch a movie about just a beautifully made up, like, I don't know, beauty queen running around. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, okay. This, right. This dainty little lady. Uh-huh. What's she going to be able to do? And she ends up like dominating the battlefield. Right. And then even when she's, you know, steps back from the battlefield, she's like, there's still lots of ways that I can be useful and and help the plight of my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Um, no, she's so cool. And yeah. and um, like you said, I mean, just this this image. I, I think that's part of why she did it, too. It's just mm-hmm. like it's such a memorable historical thing to do. Yeah. You know, like like you were saying earlier, like she doesn't need to G.I. Jane herself into that army. She was like, you want me, you get me. Mm-hmm. You like what I can do, I'm going to do it. That's what I look like. Yeah. Plus, I love it's sort of a war paint right. vibes. Like right. She's like, it's before war. Yeah. I put on my fucking war paint. Yep. It doesn't look like what you think it should look like. Uh-huh. But it makes me feel ready to fight. Right. <laughs> right. And once rumors start getting around, uh-huh. she's like, then people know when they see me coming. That's and right. And they're going to shit their pants. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That bitch is wearing red lipstick. Uh-huh. I'm, we're so fucked right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't even know. She's going to blow a kiss and then blow our heads off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Man, and what a history, too. I really knew very little about the history of the Philippines. It's very complicated because yeah. they're extremely um, oppressed and constantly occupied right. uh, area. So it's a very complicated history. I won't lie. I... We had to really streamline a lot of it and yeah. didn't even get into what the hooks did. There's some bad shit they did later sure, on sure. and stuff like that. So there's, you know, it's not like this is a glowing example of like people uh, being amazing, you know, all the time. But yeah. there were definitely plenty of them that did fucked up things. I mean, anytime there's a People's Liberation Army, it's right. going to be black and white. <laughs> yeah. The thing about revolution <laughs> is it's incredibly, incredibly um, messy. Yeah. And violent. Yeah, it's very, true. very hard to have one without, you know, and be perfectly ethical, right. you know, the whole time. Right. It's kind of, I think, I don't, I don't know that there is an example in history of an ethical revolution. No, no. I can't think of one personally, no. but oh uh, my if God, you do, the, please the, let me know. <laughs> the things that some of the French did after they okay. revolted, I mean, absolutely yeah. horrific. Literally called it the reign of terror. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, after America's revolution, it was smooth sailing, oh, yeah. nothing to complain about no ever problem. since 1776. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all good here. Squeaky clean. Um, but uh, but it is still it's, it's fascinating to hear all this. These Pacific Island nations, you know, that are so strategic, yes. especially when you're talking about the conflicts between East and West. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of strategy that goes into like i need to occupy this island mm-hmm. this tiny little place 
that's like barely farmland yeah. becomes the most valuable land in the world and everybody's fighting over it and occupying it and they don't give two shits about the people who already live there. No. Ever. A lot like Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii, same thing happens Taiwan. on islands. Yeah. And it's interesting to like, I, I, it's a world war. It's World War Two. Right. But I guess particularly in school, you focus so much on France and Germany. Right. Um, and maybe a little bit of Russia. Right. But there was literally battles happening like all over the There were theaters right. uh, of, of war yeah. in the Middle East. Right. Where like that basically the reason it's so fucked up now is because during World War II, there were soldiers and stuff. There was shit happening over there, but it wasn't as important. So right. It's just like, well, whatever. Y'all will take care of yourself. Uh-huh. And they ended up looting, you know, the land for oil and doing all these horrible things. Just causing a lot of strife. And then over here in the islands, that's a whole other theater. Did, did we ever talk about the islands in right. school? I never heard a word one no, about that. No, it was that. just like, yeah, Nazis, 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 Pearl Harbor. Right. I was like, wait, what? Where did that come from? Well, and weirdly, it's like Pearl Harbor. Yes, Pearl Harbor gets bombed. We're all uh-huh. very mad about the Japanese. Uh-huh. But then it's all Nazis after that. Right. And then we bomb Japan. Yeah. It's like we we don't really talk about the part where the Japanese felt like to Americans, it felt like the Japanese are our real enemies. Right. You know, we're here to fight them because they came to us. Right. Rather than the Germans. They're fucked up. But like that's y'all are dealing with that. <laughs> we're over here dealing with them. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just such a complicated war, of course. And, of, you know, naturally in school, you have to, you know, edit some shit out. Yeah. But it's really interesting to learn more about the other theaters of war and what was going on. Right. Well, like you said, all these you know, consequences that come out of stuff that you never even heard about. So I, I get the impression you would not, like, you would vote to not do that again. Like, a third world war would be something you're against. Like you, I, I'd prefer not to okay. be a part of a world war. Bold stance. Um, <laughs> go ahead and go on <laughs> record here today. Here first, guys. Yeah, yeah we're the first ones to 8. say it. 8.5 magnitude take quake <laughs> coming your way. Take quake. I saw that on a tweet the other day, and I thought did. it was amazing. I was just like, <laughs> I need a take quake. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. Amazing. And I like this story, too. Again, like we said at the top, like, you know, this is the the lead up to a romance. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, you know, what, what we sometimes call ridiculous. It's really just fascinating. Yeah. But I also do like that it was a political marriage and then feelings grew. Right. That's so, that's so lovely. It's great when that happens. Reminds me. Of a little story we've mentioned before, uh, Maximilian and Carlotta of oh, Mexico. Yeah. A little uh, story we never go back to that well. <laughs> <laughs> I never stop thinking about them. Um, well, thank you all for tuning in today. I do yeah. hope you love this story. I hope, hope you, you love learned Lee something Huawei. new, too. As you make up your face. Yes. <laughs> Next time. Know that you're getting ready for pain. battle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let us know what you thought. We love hearing from y'all. Um, our email address is ridicromance at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, oh, great. It's Eli. Mm, and I'm at Dynamite. Boom. And the show is at Ridic Romance. Yeah. So tune in later this week. We've got another exciting episode. And uh, we'll catch you all then. Can't wait. Love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and dance to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance.